Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, and welcome to the Roto-World Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Colin Henderson. Joining me as always is Chris Crawford. Coming up on the show today, we recap the MLB trade deadline. A surprising amount of trade activity went down over the weekend, and we are here to recap all of the important moves for you and your fantasy team. Chris, I got to start off. I've been wondering for a while what this trade deadline was would end up being. You know, in this crazy season with no scouts at minor league games, such a short sample size, and more importantly, a kind of shorter possible return for investment, especially for a lot of rental players, I was afraid we might be looking at a very stale market. Instead, we got a pretty good amount of activity today. Yeah, I was surprised and pleasantly surprised just because it's fun to see teams go for it. And I totally understand that in today's market, you're not going to see as many Lucas Giolito for Adam Eaton type trades where teams take huge risks with prospects. But I was impressed by what we saw. And What's really fun is seeing teams, you know, those those mid-market teams like Toronto and San Diego and even the Marlins going for uh, a trade to make their team better. It's it's better when baseball teams are trying, and we certainly saw that there are teams that believe that they can contend, whether or not that has to do with the 1 versus 16 uh, playoff format instead of the usual 10 that we get. Um, who cares? <laughs> it just makes the game better when people are trying, and I was impressed, and I was I'll be honest with you. I was doing uh, some recaps today for Roto World on those trades, and uh, I am glad not going on the 10-day IL with Carpal Tunnel, but uh, I'm glad to be done for the day. I'll tell you that much. Putting in a true champion's work over there for Roto World, Chris. I pre- <laughs> we, we all appreciate it. We all appreciate it. You're absolutely right. With all of the weirdness about this season, I, I I think the fact that the playoffs have expanded to 16 teams, meaning teams like the Marlins, and I, that's a perfect example, a team that I think in prior years are just complete sellers here. Instead, they make a move. Toronto is suddenly a little bit more aggressive in making some moves where if they were sitting behind Tampa Bay, behind the Yankees with very little chance of hitting a second wild card, I got to figure they'd probably stand pat or sell. And instead... Now, all of a sudden, they are adding pieces to that team. So uh, I I put a lot of credit to the playoff expansion as to really the only reason why I think we got nearly as much activity over the last, you know, 72 hours or so than I thought we would get 
prior to that playoff expansion. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's there's you take the bitter with the better with this thing because you know, there are teams I think that could have said instead, you know, we can make these moves because you know, instead of competing for one of five spots, we're competing for one of eight. But we really didn't see that. I think the teams that sold really are teams that are in the doldrums. I, I suppose the one team that still has, that made a selling move that still has a little bit of a chance of a playoff spot is Arizona, but that's slipping away pretty quickly. They've been pretty terrible in the month of August. So, but yeah, I, I think that you do have to give some credit here as, as much as I I think the 16 teams cheapens making the playoffs. It also makes the sport um, much, especially over this truncated season, it makes the, these final two months much more enjoyable to watch and certainly saw a lot of interesting trades to uh, continue that. You mentioned Arizona as a team that was one of the few sellers that kind of has a an outside chance of making the postseason. A team that sold that is right now firmly in the postseason are the Cleveland Indians. And wow, was that the major move of the day as Mike Clevenger gets moved, not Zach Plesak, which I think a lot of people expected, but Mike Clevenger, he gets traded to the Padres in what amounts to a nine player trade. The Padres get Mike Clevenger. They get outfielder Greg Allen and a player to be named later. Get ready to hear that phrase a whole bunch today. Player to be named later. Uh, Meanwhile, Cleveland gets outfielder Josh Naylor, who will almost immediately slot into their outfield. Catcher Austin Hedges. Pitcher Cal Quantrill. Shortstop Gabriel Arias. uh, Lefty Joey Cantillo. And infielder Owen Miller. Uh, Arias, Cantillo, and Miller, all top 11, 12 prospects in San Diego's farm system. So I, 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 we're going to get into San Diego in a big way here in about a second, but let's talk about this Clevenger trade first because that was the highlight of the day. We were all wondering whether it was Clevenger, whether it was Plesak, whether it was Lance Lynn who ended up staying put. Those were the big names that were going to be discussed in all of these trade talks. And we are curious, what package could you get back for one of these guys knowing that really from now till the end of the year, you might be talking about five starts, five, six starts before the playoffs for any starter that you grab. San Diego just takes all of their chips. AJ Preller, you got to love a GM who actually plays the game and doesn't play all of the politics behind it. Preller takes all of his chips, shoves them to the center of the table, and San Diego is looking real pretty for the second half of this year. Yeah, I think that, they did really well. And, you know, it's it was tough to gauge what exactly Clevenger's market is because without getting too deep into the political side of it, they had to trade Mike Clevenger. Basically, there was no coming back from that happening. And so you weren't going to get the elite prospect package. Uh, I think well, I go back and forth on it. I think Cleveland did okay. But for as for 2020... I mean, Mike Clevenger has frontline stuff. He has as good of swing and miss arsenal as all but a select few of pitchers. And when he's healthy and when he's at his best, he can be a legitimate ace. And if not a significantly upgraded number two for a rotation that's kind of struggled this year. Um, I love that situation now. I think those five starts are all going to be must starts for fantasy fantasy players now. Um, 
he, he's, he's a really good pitcher. And as for long-term, you know, this is a guy who I believe is under Cub control till 2022. So, Correct. so getting him to, to hit him to that in rotation and to get to pitch with, I mean, the talent in that rotation of Chris Paddock and Denelson Lamette and Mackenzie Gore and Luis Patino is just, I mean, good luck AL West in a couple of years. Heck, good luck, excuse me, NL West. Now, I mean, it's, it's a loaded rotation and, I expect good things for him. They, the only thing I'll always wonder with Clevenger is whether he can stay healthy. He's only had one year of throwing over 125 innings. So um, as long, but as long as he can stay healthy, boy, there is an awful lot of fantasy upside there. Yeah, the, you really have to love that rotation now in San Diego. I, I think they were always a piece missing there. Look, Chris Paddock mm-hmm. is a phenomenal pitcher, but if he can be your number two, Sure. You've got a really, really good rotation. And now you can basically slide. I'm not sure Clevenger is head over heels better than Chris Paddock, but it's a pretty much a 1A, 1B punch that you're going to get from the San Diego Padres for the rest of the season. And, I mean, they have 20 wins right now. They're going to be a postseason team this year. That's not going to be a fun team to play in a best of a best of five series if you've got Paddock and Clevenger going 1-2. No, absolutely. I'd put them, I mean, the Dodgers are still clear favorites to me, but I would put them as that second or third team, best team in the National League right now. They're they're doing something special in San Diego. And like you said, give A.J. Preller a ton of credit. I love that he's willing to move prospects. He was willing to play Fernando Tatis and not play the service manipulation game because he knew that they made them better. It's the same thing with Chris Paddock. So, um, yeah, that San Diego's building something special, and – uh, there's going to be an awful lot of fantasy-relevant players in San Diego over the next five, ten years, it looks like. So all of the prospects that got moved in this deal to Cleveland, Arias, Cantillo, and Miller, none of them going to be helpful this year for your fantasy teams out there. But talk to me a little bit about Josh Naylor. I mean, Josh Naylor, we all knew coming into this trade deadline, we knew that Cleveland could not get any offense from their outfield. And truthfully, I'm kind of surprised that Cleveland didn't take this now fat package that they just got and move some of those pieces to get more outfield help. Keep in mind, Cleveland is still currently sitting first place in the American League Central. This is not a selling team right now. Josh Naylor is going to be immediately slotted into left field for the Indians, but is he enough of a boost that's going to take Cleveland over the top. I don't think so. And that's nothing against Naylor. It's just, I don't think he's quite ready offensively to be that type of middle of the order bat. Now he can certainly help. And it sounds like he's going to be the everyday left fielder. Um, So fantasy players who are looking for uh, an outfield bat type of uh, situation, definitely a guy to take at least a look at. Fortunately, his awful defense won't hurt you in fantasy, but and then next year, I think he'll end up playing first base. I believe that uh, Carlos Santana is a free agent. I would just move Naylor over to first. But, you know, uh, there is some offensive upside here. He's not quite tapped into the power potential he showed as a prep product or even in the minors. But I, I have to think that's coming soon. It's just really hard to trust that for 2020. But as a headline part of the piece, uh, as far as the major league uh area i don't think that there's a ton of fantasy appeal i do think there's fantasy appeal in cal quantrill though if he gets to be put into the rotation um we have seen cleveland do wonders with the type of 
arsenal that Cal Quantrill has. I mean, they turned Shane Bieber and Aaron Savali into upper echelon pitchers. And Cal Quantrill has kind of that similar arsenal. He was pitching in the bullpen for San Diego. But if he moves into the rotation, that would be a guy I'd be really looking at, especially for 2021. But even in 2020, I think Cal Quantrill could offer something as a streamer. Yeah, I think streamer is the exact word I was about to use for Cal Quantrill. I mean, he doesn't seem like a guy that I can... I don't think the Indians are going to have enough time to get their pitching magic fingers in him for 2020 to make him someone that you need to have on your roster. But streaming-wise, especially against the NL and American League Central, there are plenty of options that he is going to have in certain games where you're going to be, okay, this is someone that we can work with. Um, But like you said, 2021, Cal Quantrill is going to be a guy I think I'm going to be on a lot of sleeper lists because if the Indians can do what they do with pitching with a guy with that kind of arsenal, he's going to be probably very good. But that's more 2021 than 2020. And when you talk about Josh Naylor, AL only leagues, I think he is an interesting prospect. Uh, I don't know in mixed leagues. I can't imagine that he is a starting outfielder on your team. I mean, you have to be in a pretty deep league for me to be running out to go grab Josh Naylor. Um, but maybe he gets hot and maybe he gets a, a prime position in a lineup that is kind of screaming for more runs. Uh, he's someone to keep an eye out on, but I'm not running to my waiver wire to go grab him at the moment. 100% agreed. Uh, let's let's keep with the Padres because the Padres were the big movers here. AJ Preller just, just danced on everybody else when it came to working this trade deadline Padres end up moving in total. They end up moving seven of their top 20 prospects over the last basically 72 hours. They also go and grab, they make two trades with Seattle. The first one headlined by catcher slash first baseman, Austin Nola. Um, He basically will step into either their starting catching gig or first base or DH um, San Diego gets Nola, uh, right-handed pitcher Austin Adams, and Dan Altavilla. If I'm saying that, if I'm pronouncing Perfect. that correctly, beautiful. Perfect. And Seattle gets um, Taylor Trammell, who's the number sixty prospect on MLB.com. Catcher Luis Torrens, infielder Ty France, and pitcher Andres Munoz. Uh, Taylor Trammell is been kind of a guy that has been talked about for a while now in that San Diego prospect pool uh he just has a lot of talent he is the headliner here that seattle will get very interesting if you want to fast forward an outfield that could have kalinich tramel and and kyle lewis uh a really interesting young exciting outfield that could be in seattle in a year or two um but meanwhile san diego this year gets nola who's been i think a very surprising catcher eligible player even if he's not playing a ton of catcher for seattle or for san diego moving forward he's catcher eligible eligible which is great for your fantasy teams he's going he's the headliner of that move the padres also make a trade with seattle for reliever taylor williams also for a player to be named later taylor williams is six for six and save chances this year for the mariners despite a 5.93 era um so just more bullpen help for the Padres. Taylor Williams, though, his fantasy stock all but plummets because he's not going to be closing games anymore. 
Um, talk me through those two guys, Austin Nola and Taylor Trim- uh, and Taylor Williams. Sure. Yeah, I've, Austin Nola is a really. I thought San Diego overpaid in this deal because they give they give up quality and quantity, and I get that Nola Adams and Altavilla all have uh, more service time. So so I understand that they had to pay a little more to get those guys. But Austin Nola could really help. He's a a catcher who's hitting 306, 373, 531, five homers. Uh, he's it's funny because he really really is now just a catcher who can happen to play other positions. Um, I, I saw a stat the other day, and I know this isn't uh, super fantasy relevant, but he since he's come up, he's had the third most war of any catcher in baseball. I mean, that's really impressive, and I bet that surprises a lot of folks. Um, but uh, he, he's going to get a chance to hit probably in the bottom of the San Diego lineup just because it's so loaded, especially now with a few other guys that they acquired that I think we'll get into. Uh, but he's a must get. I, he should still he shouldn't be available. But if you happen to be playing uh, in an NL only league and he happened to uh, he's on the market and your waiver wire doesn't start until Wednesday or Thursday, I would be jumping all over Austin Nola and whatever fab necessary to go get him. I'd be willing to spend because he's going to hit for average. He's got sneaky power. He's a legit player. This is not a super small sample size anymore. Austin Nola is a really good player. As for Taylor Williams, I think his fantasy stock basically plummets just because I think he's just going to be a mid-relief guy uh, at this point. Um, it'd be really surprising to me if he got any save chances. His ERA is a little misleading, as it is for a lot of relievers. It just takes that one bad outing for yep. it to kind of plummet. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, Taylor Williams would not be a guy I would be targeting, but Austin Nola would be a guy I'd be targeting for sure. Yoshihisha Hirano. I'm pretty sure I got that name wrong, but Yoshihisha Hirano is the favorite to step into the closers role in Seattle. Um, for anybody searching for saves, uh, he's the guy to go grab in Seattle. But like you said, Taylor Williams irrelevant now in terms of fantasy circles, short of a bunch of injuries. If you're in an NL only league, Austin Nola's easily, I think of all the guys who got moved today, Austin Nola is the guy I'm going to grab almost immediately Catcher eligibility is so important. Sure. Really important player. Austin Nola, I could not agree with you more in terms of overpaying in this deal. I think the Padres absolutely overpaid. But if you get a catcher for the next five, six, seven years out of this deal, that's not a bad call because Nola has plenty of eligibility left. Absolutely. Meanwhile, the Padres stayed hot and completed deals over the weekend for Mitch Moreland from Boston guy mashes left-handed or right-handed pitching. He is going to be, I think a great DH foil for the Eric Hosmer group. Um, Trevor Rosenthal from Kansas city, who was the best reliever moved in the entire trade deadline. Um, He's a rental. That's the only kind of ding on him in terms of that, but he is going to be very helpful this year, uh, especially with Kirby Yates going down. And they add Jason Castro, another catcher from the Angels. Um, Just give up a player to be named later there. But Jason Castro, while he's not much offensively, is considered one of the best defensive catchers in the game, one of the best framers in the game. He's not going to be great from a fantasy standpoint. If you're going for catcher here, obviously Nola is the guy. But Jason Castro is going to be very helpful, I think, in terms of this now loaded San Diego rotation if he can do anything to 
even help them just a tick, that is going to be very nice for your pitchers. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's something you don't think about, but absolutely. There's, and he'll probably, I, I, I think the majority of the catching opportunities are going to go to Nola, but he'll get the chance to play. And, you know, he's an okay DFS play offensively, but he, that really is a good point that I think he will help that pitching staff, which, um, you know, it, it got a lot of hype. I mean, I thought that bullpen coming into the year was going to be one of the best in baseball, and it's just really not been. And part of that's due to injuries, and part of that is due to the fact that relievers, you know, the, they're they're very fickle. <laughs> the one year they look like elite guys, and then the next year they can be uh, not so much. I mean, we've seen with Edwin Diaz and a few other guys that these these runs of dominance can end. But but yeah, I really like Mitch Moreland too. I think that was a really nice get. Uh, a DH that can play, uh, can handle first base as well. Um, yeah, they're at the San Diego. I mean, that's just fun. I, it's really fun to see teams try and uh, go for it. And <laughs> they're still loaded for the future. They didn't deal their best prospects. With all due respect to Taylor Trammell, who I like a lot. I mean, he's probably fourth or fifth in that system, but they've still got Mackenzie Gore. They still have Luis Patino, still have C.J. Abrams. They're, the list goes on. Still plenty of talent in that system. Speaking of Mackenzie Gore, and by the way, a quick shout to your weekly prospects column. Mackenzie Gore moves up to first thanks to the long overdue Gavin Lux promotion. But Mackenzie Gore in this conversation, I thought that might be interesting. With the addition of Clevenger, does that mean that we might not see Mackenzie Gore for the rest of this season? That's a really good question. I still think we're going to see him. I actually was talking to a couple of beat writers from San Diego this morning, just uh, shooting the breeze with them. Uh, I still think they still think that Gore is going to make that debut. Um, maybe this delays it a little bit. And I, I don't know, I sh- I, unfortunately, their, their schedule, I don't know when they're going to need a fifth starter again, but there's still some issues in that rotation. I mean, Lamette, Paddock, and Clevenger are all kind of locked in, but I, I, there's, there's, and then now Clevenger too, is that, but th- there's some stuff going on. And I believe Adrian Morahan is on the disabled injured list right now too, I believe. Um, so there's, there's, there's some issues. I still think Gore makes his debut, but this may have delayed it a little bit, which is frustrating, but boy, was I happy to write another name other than Gavin Lux in that top spot. Yeah. It was getting <laughs> I, I so bet. frustrating to just, uh, you know, it was nice because all I had to do was copy and paste and then write some other words about still waiting. But uh, it's very nice to see Gavin Lux up, and I think he will be very helpful for those of you who were patient down the stretch or anybody who adds him for these final months. Yeah, Zach Davies and Garrett Richards are kind of the – two guys who round out that five-man rotation. You already mentioned Tino. So there's kind of a bit of a logjam at that starting pitcher spot. I I think for me, I think this kind of knocks down. If I have Mackenzie Gore in a league and it's a redraft league, I think I'm okay dropping Mackenzie Gore to go grab somebody else if I need somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because I think by adding Clevenger here, I, I just don't see over the next three weeks, I just don't see... Gore a getting the call up and b getting the call up and getting enough innings that he is going to be useful for you. If you are in any type of keeper or dynasty, you grab Gore and you hold on to him. You're just fine. But Clevenger coming there, I think, basically takes away that spot that I think the Padres were kind of looking to use Gore as that kind of shot in the arm down the stretch. Well, 
they say that Gore's kind of struggling a little bit at their alternate site. I think this basically, I'm not going to say puts the nail in because we've watched Preller, as you mentioned before, Tatis is the prime example of that. He hits free agency a year early now because they said, okay, Tatis is so major league ready. We can't even pretend that he needs to quote work on something for 14 days at the beginning of the season to get that extra year. So I, I, so maybe I could be completely wrong on this, but adding Clevenger to an already full rotation, I think kind of means Gore gets pushed, if not to the end of the year to next year. And if I'm in a redraft league, Gore can hit the waiver wires for me. I think that's just, I think there just isn't enough space for him to play on that team. I, I totally get that. It's, I would just say this. Um, if, if you have a, a limited bench, I would agree with that. The only thing I'd say is if he gets that call up and I still think that he's one of their best five starters with all due respect to some of those other names, uh, or even if they go to a six-man rotation, which I think a few teams might do to preserve innings. I don't know if San Diego will be one of those teams or not, but, man, he has special talent. And so I would just say that as soon as he gets the call up, you've got to get him off the waiver wire. But I, I suppose at this point, because we're so deep into the season, I, I can't really blame anybody who drops score. But you're absolutely right that Clevenger – that Clevenger acquisition at least probably buys them some time from not calling up Gore. So I guess that's just the ultimate wait and see. Yeah. You and I both agree on the talent with Gore. There's no question about that. I am genuinely excited to see what he's going to do at the major league level. Uh, Just when we talk about 2020, I have my questions about whether or not he's, we're actually going to see him. But like you said, if he gets the call up, at all. If there is even even a whiff that he is about to get called up, you run, don't walk, run to your waiver wire to make sure that he is on your team. Let's move over to the Blue Jays. Speaking of arms, the Blue Jays basically have a brand new starting rotation today that they did not have 72 hours ago. Three new arms to their rotation that started on Thursday with the trade uh, with Seattle for Taiwan Walker. Um, he is a free agent after the season, but so he's basically a rental. However, he is going to slot in immediately to their starting line or to their starting rotation. And then today, or I should say yesterday, because you guys are all going to be listening to this on Tuesday, they make two trades, one with Arizona for Robbie Ray. They trade away a lefty Travis Bergen and $300,000 for the 28-year-old lefty who has 31 walks in 31 innings and a 7.84 ERA. However, we've seen him be real good, and we're all just going to continue to bite on him until he proves us wrong. And then they make a trade with the Dodgers literally right before the deadline for Ross Stripling, who has been so superfluous to the Dodgers over this time. He, He is just completely does not have a spot in their rotation or their bullpen, but has shown enough that he deserves decent playing time. He is going to get that with the Blue Jays. Those three, Walker, Ray, and Stripling, join Hinyon Ru and Chase Anderson in the rotation until Nate Pearson returns. lot of changes for Toronto there. Brand new rotation, basically. What's your first takeaway? I think that's... It- they really look like a playoff team team to me now. And they've looked like a team, playoff team to me, honestly, before, if only because 
the the bottom of the AL is just so bad right now. But uh, I think they did really well. Taiwan Walker has looked really good as of late. Um, ERA now of 3.27, uh, 29 to 11 strikeout to walk ratio over his last 33 innings um, has thrown shutouts in three of his last five starts or not given up any runs in three of his last five starts. I think he's an underrated fantasy piece right now. Maybe more of a streamer because there is a little bit of a risk of, of some blowups. He's had a couple of uh, icky starts, I guess you would say, uh, for the Mariners as well. But really pitching more like the guy that was the top pro- one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Um, Stripling and Ray, they're interesting as well. Especially Ray is so volatile just because, I mean, he has 41, 43 strikeouts in those 31 innings, but he has yeah. just as many walks. It's just a matter of of whether or not he's ever going to throw enough strikes. Maybe you take a chance on uh, a, a start, maybe, if because, you know, he does have that ability to pile up the, the 10 to 12 strikeout game, and we've we've seen what he can do. But, boy, there's a lot of risk. And then, to me, Stripling is just the ultimate streamer. I mean, a yeah. more valuable real-life pitcher than a fantasy one because of the fact that he can work out of the bullpen and he can be a starter. But... Not really a guy that I want in my fantasy rotation. Yeah, I'm not sure between Walker Ray or Stripling if there's anyone that you need to have on your in your lineup on like on a permanent basis. But all three of them, if they're playing, you know, Boston, if they're playing the well, I can't say the Marlins anymore because the Marlins are actually kind of hitting the ball. But if they're playing any any team that is currently struggling at the time, all three of those guys are someone I am more than happy to add to my team for a start or two. I don't think any of them you need to run out and grab with that change of scenery. If you're in an AL only league and Ray and Stripling just suddenly became active on your wire, I don't particularly feel the need to run out and grab either of them. Streaming is the word I would scream for all three of them. Correct. Uh, Let's flip over to the Marlins who made a trade with Toronto as well. The Marlins trade Jonathan VR to Toronto he is going to end up slotting in at probably third base and shortstop until Bo Bichette returns. VR is always a fun player to have. He's active on the Bates paths. He, you know, can hit for average when he's doing, uh, when he's hot, not going to give you a ton in power, but I, I think for anybody out there who's looking to kind of get any type of injection on the Bates paths and an injection in terms of batting average, VR is an interesting candidate. Just, I think he's going to move to a better lineup now, one that he's going to have more run scoring opportunities. I think he's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I've probably owned if you're playing in redraft leagues, but guy that I might be looking to target now, because I think he is moving to a better lineup and he's going to steal bases. And we talk about moving from that NL to AL only league situation. Definitely a guy you're looking at uh, in the AL, especially if you need help with the steals. Um, you know, probably not going to help a ton in the other categories other than steals and maybe runs, especially if he does get to hit at the top of the lineup. But uh, a a solid get that can, you know, (laughs) category winners are always guys that you want to target. And uh, I think VR has a chance to do just that over this final month. Bichette is expected to return in approximately two weeks. Well, if you're playing in a seven-week regular season, that's the entire regular season. So VR is can be very helpful to teams out there who are struggling with without having Bo Bichette in their lineups. 
VR is a guy that you could absolutely add and use because he's going to get playing time. He Between two positions, he's going to get his bat in the lineup. He's going to be helpful. The Marlins, while they trade VR to Toronto, they add Starling Marte. I thought this was maybe the more, most surprising trade of the entire day. The Marlins acquire Starling Marte from the D-backs for Caleb Smith, Humberto Mejia, and a player to be named later. Marte is not a rental. He's got a $12.5 million option for 2021. While this trade goes kind of against everything that the Marlins have been doing for the last couple of years, it's kind of great to see the Marlins make a trade that doesn't scream failure, that, that doesn't scream, I'm not trying to win. And this was a move that they're going to get an influx of offense into the middle of their lineup. The Marlins right now, if the season ended today, are in the postseason. Like, good to see the Marlins actually making any type of positive step forward and not falling back on the, well, we're the Marlins, we have to trade everybody. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. It is it is fun to see that. Um, now, I will say this. <laughs> it would not shock me at all if they picked up that club option and traded him in the next offseason uh, because I think there will be a, a market value, and I think that they can probably say that they maybe, in their terms, turned a profit on the transaction. But for this year, Marte's going to be just as fantasy relevant to me, a, a guy who going to hit for average, going to steal some bases and provide power, Um I don't think his fantasy situation really changes, but I definitely think it does make the Marlins better. That's for sure. Uh, Caleb Smith, on the other hand, I think that was a a decent get for Arizona. Uh, he's the swing and miss stuff. It's not quite Robbie Ray bad with the control, but it's just a matter of can he throw enough strikes to be fantasy relevant? Um, and if he can, then he has a a chance to be a a solid back end fantasy starter. It's just, man, he, he frustrates because it, it's just there are too many starts where he doesn't know where the ball is going. But uh, uh, Caleb Smith is still, I think, a guy. He's on the COVID-19 injured list right now. But it, when he gets a chance to pitch, I'd be looking at some streaming opportunities for him as well. Yeah, and health has always kind of been a little bit of an issue with him. Sure. Had some issue uh-huh. in the minors. Had his issue last year when he was – he started off the year so strong in 2019 before he went Absolutely. down – with an injury and then kind of didn't look himself when he came back. Um, yes, you said like he's on the COVID-19 IL right now, but his health has always been a bit of an issue for him as well. So health and control. But again, we whenever we see a guy, and, and Robbie Ray is a perfect example of this, whenever we see a guy do so well for such a period to the point where you say, okay, we know it exists, it's hard for us to forget what we saw. Even though we 100%. will see so much evidence to the contrary we know what we saw for a while and we saw Caleb Smith for the first half of last year look like an NL Cy Young candidate for a while so it is it I I think this is a great buy low move for the D-backs they decided you know what we are selling so they lose Marte they get Caleb Smith they get Mejia who I think is a really nice arm and I think they have uh, they get something for this Caleb Smith, I think a great buy low candidate for the D-backs. If they can get, if they can figure out a way of turning him back to first half 2019 Caleb Smith, they come out on top in this deal. But Marte, like you said, fantasy-wise, I don't think this trade has changed his fantasy outlook at all. No. Um, he still is going to be a really good player. Right. Let's move over to, uh, I think, the probably the second best arm that moved in this entire, or I should say starting pitcher, because that might put Trev Rosenthal above him. But Mike Miner 
moves to the A's, um, a rare in-division trade. Miner moves to the A's um, for two players to be named later. Uh, Miner has, after a 2019 that was phenomenal, has struggled this season, 0-5 with a 5-6 ERA. But I think this is a prime bounce-back candidate, low-risk, high-reward move. I, I, I applaud the A's for this move. I, without knowing what they gave up, obviously we know two players to be named later. But if you tell me that you can grab Mike Miner for and then hope that a change of scenery and on a better team, a team that really looks like they could potentially go all the way, if that doesn't infuse him to get back to 2019, I don't know what will. I think this was a great move for the A's. Yeah, I really liked it too. And I can tell you that uh, the two players to be named later, while they can't be official, are uh, a, uh, a speedy outfielder named Marcus Smith and an infielder named Drew Harris, who are nice prospects, but they're not uh, not going to be super fantasy relevant, other than the fact Smith might provide some steals. But on to minor, uh, the, the encouraging thing for me is that he was so – good in his last start uh six shutout innings against that Dodgers lineup I mean it's tough to do better than that in fact it's literally impossible to do impossible to do better than that um I think he's been better than those numbers suggest he's 35-13 uh strikeout to walk ratio is a solid number a 248 average again the bugaboo has been that he's allowed seven homers in 35 innings I expect that number to be better um he's definitely been a disappointment this year especially considering how good he was in 2019 but you talk about a you hit the nail on the head he is a perfect bounce back candidate and i expect him to be much better for a much better baseball team uh over this last month yeah talk to any pitcher who's been on a a team that clearly is not in the postseason and talk to them when they're on a postseason team it's a completely different mindset and i think if there ever is a time for someone to kind of kick back into gear yeah, I think now's the time to do it. Mike Miner, I think a guy that, hey, maybe in your league you might be able to buy low right now. I, I think he's a he's someone you should absolutely be looking at. If you believe that he is better than what those peripheral numbers have shown so far, not a bad guy to kind of uh, kick the tires on and see what's out there. Boston continues its fire sale. They trade Kevin Pillar to the Rockies. Uh, he will basically immediately become the starting center fielder for the Rockies because the Rockies have had just absolutely no production from that center field spot all year. Um, So far on the year, he's hitting 274 with four homers and 13 RBIs. He's also a rental. He's a free agent after this year. Pilar, I think, I mean, we know what Pilar is. He's going to get you some kind of, I think, average stats across the board, but He's not going to hurt you in any stat. And I think that's kind of a valuable player, especially if, say, you're in an NL-only league and Pilar just became available to you. Yeah, if you need outfield help in that NL-only or extremely deep league, yeah, Pilar's a guy I'd be targeting for sure. I mean, he he's not he is what he is. I mean, that's just the basic, perfect way to describe uh, what he is. A, a better real-life player than a, a fantasy one, but somebody who can help and, uh, and not kill you in any category. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, he should be that everyday center fielder, like you said. Um, some news that broke just before we started recording. Uh, Brendan Rogers going on the injured list with a shoulder injury, so that hurts their depth a little bit. But Pilar was probably going to be playing every day. Um, you know, <laughs> he is what he is. He's the vanilla ice cream of uh, of fantasy outfielders. It, it's nothing special, but 
it's a super solid guy to have on your bench. Or if you need help in those NL only deeper formats, you can do a lot worse. Before we talk more trades, let's get to a quick promo. The all-new Roto-World Premium Subscription Packages have the tools and resources you need to dominate your fantasy leagues from drafts through playoffs. Best of all, subscriptions are not just one sport. They include football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. I've got about six football drafts coming up in the next week. It's going to be real helpful for me. As a listener of the Roto-World Fantasy Baseball Podcast, you also get $10 off any annual subscription to Roto World Premium. So to find your edge, visit rotoworld.com slash edge using the promo code BBPOD10 at checkout. That promo code again, BBPOD10. All right, so let's quickly talk about a couple other trades of note. Um, the Mets bring back Todd Frazier. He what he spent a whole 31 games not a Met and comes right back. Um, he has 39 homers over the 2018 and 2019 season. He's going to play third base and DH for the Mets. He's not an exciting option out there, but we know with Todd Frazier, if he gets a hot streak, he's someone that you can really add to your lineup, and he's going to be really good about it. Um, I think, like you said, I think a better real life player than a fantasy player, but. We've seen him get hot and maybe him getting back to familiar ground, him joining a Mets team that I think has been really lacking energy. And he's finally going to be that impulse of energy. I think this is going to be uh, I think that's a good trade for the Mets there. Yeah. He's a solid uh, everything we just kind of said about Pilar, other than the fact that their offensive skill sets are much different, but, but yeah. similar type of production. Uh you know, uh, in terms of, of what they are in terms of adding, adding fantasy value. Um, hasn't hit for a ton of power this year, but it's tough to say in 180 bats, it's such a small sample size. If I if I have a corner infield spot in an NL only league, I'm considering it, or maybe a bench spot, but uh, probably a, a better real life pick me up than one that's going to help you in a ton of fantasy leagues. The Reds made two trades. They get outfielder Brian Goodwin from Anaheim, who became expendable after the Joe Adele call-up, even though he continues to strike out about three times a game. And the Reds also bolster their bullpen, grab Archie Bradley um, from Arizona. However, obviously, he is going to be a setup guy behind Iglesias, so I'm not sure he's exactly much of a fantasy option. However, Junior Guerrera will probably become the favorite to close in Arizona moving forward, so he might be someone that you target if you are streaming for saves. Yep, that's there. Those are definitely three players who uh, got traded today. <laughs> that's, that's my. That's my. We're running down to We got to mention. And I think the only other, I think the only major trades of note: Tommy Lastella moves from the A's to Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's going to replace Tony Kemp at second base. I like him a lot. He's got so much positional flexibility. I mean, he's hitting 265 on the year. His positional flexibility makes him more valuable than I think his actual stats will give you. But Mm -hmm. in a world where every other game might be canceled due to a COVID outbreak, he's going to be able to slot into just about any spot in your lineup. That's really helpful. Uh, The Cubs add Cameron Mabin and Jose Martinez. And Atlanta traded for 
Tommy Malone from the Orioles. However, he was gifted a 10-0 lead on Sunday night and proceeded to give that almost immediately away. Oh, that was ugly. That was, that was that a really was a, ugly game. That was a fun was game, very, but it was really ugly. Yeah, it was a fun game to watch, and I'll, I'll just say this. We were talking about recaps. I'm really glad I didn't have to do the game recap for that one. Uh, sorry, Drew Silva. I know that was your <laughs> uh, your game. But, uh, uh, talk about Carpal Tunnel. I would be pretty tired from that one. Yeah, there was uh, quite a bit of stats to come from that. Um, yeah, I think sure. the only other so I think the other major moves were simply the the lack of and yeah. no trades for Atlanta outside of the Tommy Malone trade, no trades for the Yankees, no trades for the Dodgers. I mean, they move stripling, but no additions there. And Lance Lynn stays in Texas, which I think might have been the biggest surprise of the entire day. I think so too. And I think if Atlanta wasn't willing to meet the price for Lynn, I think that was a mistake. And I understand that, uh, you know, maybe you're counting on some of those young arms helping. And Ian Anderson was terrific in that first start. Mm-hmm. I, I think we talked about not starting him against the Yankees. Yep. I hope oh, no one real listened stupid. to me. He looked real Because yeah, yeah. he, he was fantastic. Um, but, man, Lynn would have made that rotation so much better. But I still think um, Lynn provides plenty of fantasy value still sticking with Texas, I imagine. Uh, he'll still be one of the better starters. Um but man, what a what an opportunity! I, I just can't help but think Atlanta not coming up with Clevenger and not coming up with Lynn was a pretty big mistake. Yeah, it seems like there really are just one, especially with Soroka going down, just one major right. starter that could that you could add to a lineup, especially if you have any type of past this year capability, right. which both of those of guys have. So Absolutely. that part didn't really point. make sense to me. The Braves have such a logjam at the top of their minor league pool of just guys who should be in the majors, but they just don't have spots for. I can't imagine that Texas wasn't going to be listening to the Austin Rileys of the world and you know right. everybody else at the top of that of, of that spot. I, it kind of surprises me that Atlanta didn't get one of those two trades done, and I think at the end of the year they're going to end up regretting that. But Lance Lynn stays in Texas. He's going to give you all of the stats he was already giving you. The only difference between him staying in Texas and not going to, say, a team like Atlanta is he's not going to give you maybe as many W's. But other than that, he is still someone you are going to, with a smile on your face, put right back into that lineup over and over again. Just real quick, like I can't help but think about Atlanta and uh, Cleveland matched up so well because Atlanta has – a couple of young outfielders in Christian Pache and Drew Waters that would have been excellent fits and both better than Josh Naylor, in my personal opinion. Now, maybe they couldn't have quite matched the depth of the offer that Cleveland offered. Austin Hedges has great real-life value because of his defensive prowess. But, man, I, I just think that they matched up so well, and that would have been, I mean, it would have been a nice flashback, too. I As an, as an old man, I can't help but remember that Kenny Lofton for Marquise Grissom trades and uh, the David Justice and that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, missed opportunity. And I still think Atlanta is going to be a postseason postseason team because of course they are, but a real chance to get somebody who could help them in 2020 in the postseason and in 2021. Yeah. That fact that they can help them in 2021, I thought made this so much more important for them to get a deal done here. They don't uh, apparently 
Cleveland was willing to take the quantity, not quality, so much right. on that one because they got a ton of people back. But how many of those people are going to be helpful on a team that A, can is looking to win right now? Again, we right. were said first place in the AL Central entering today. And a team that is looking into the future. It feels like Atlanta should have got that trade done. Ah. Well, that's our show for today. As always, thank you all for the listen. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe to the Roto World Fantasy Baseball Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. Five stars would be absolutely lovely. You can follow me on Twitter at Lie, all one word. And you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Our midweek episode with DJ and Drew will be out this Thursday, so be sure to come back then for more. And be sure to keep checking back to rotoworld.com to get all of the best up-to-the-minute fantasy info. Until next week, good luck with your fantasy teams, both baseball and football, and stay safe out there. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.